Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, you and your partner just miscommunicated, had a misunderstanding, or worse, you had an actual fight. And what happens next can and often does determine whether your relationship will flourish or die by what I refer to as the death of 1,000 cuts. All relationships follow a pattern of connection, disconnection, and repair. You probably know when you're in the first two, but do you know what your relationship pattern of repair is? If you don't, then you're in the right place. Dr. Daniel Weil, a clinical psychologist and an assistant clinical professor at the University of California at Berkeley, is here to talk about this important aspect of a healthy relationship. Dr. Weil, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about what seems to be um, an ever-common problem of how we stay in connection with each other. I would be glad, glad I, I'm glad I'm here. So you wrote a recent piece entitled, The Two Gottman Ideas You Should Be Talking About. And for those of you who might not know who John Gottman is, um, who is he and why are his ideas about marriage and relationships important? He, along with uh, Robert Levinson, um, put together the best research on couple therapy uh, anyone has ever done, uh, where he... And, and Robert um, took couples just after they were married or just before they were married. I've got a lot of data on them, how they, how they deal with the conflict. They had the bottom to a, a special office where they would ask them to, to talk about some, some important issue, and they would rate them in certain ways. And they ended up with a, um, a set of factors that are associated with um, long-lasting relationship and associated okay. with getting divorced early. So they've got the prime information, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's just well-known by everybody in the field. And out of that, he developed then a therapeutic approach. Right, and this is the research that basically has said that he could tell within a pretty short period of time whether or not couples were going to be to last or to split up, right? That's that's yeah, that's the that, mm-hmm. that is it exactly. Okay, so what were some of the things that that came out of this? Well, what came out of it was um, that there are what he calls the four horsemen, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which means if you did these things too much in a relation um, in the interaction. That was a bad sign for later. Uh-huh. Criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt, and right. particularly contempt. And um, uh, everyone who talks uh, about John Gottman and his, his method um, think, think as the four horsemen right up there is one of the main ideas to keep in mind, since that's uh-huh. what's happening in interaction that um, is correlated with trouble later on. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and 
it's one of these things where people, you know, I, I get into these discussions. I don't know whether, I don't want to call them arguments because I try not to argue, but these discussions with people about whether or not um, it's possible to do something like divorce-proof your marriage. And 100% no, but I do think that there are things that people can be doing, and John Gottman is a, is, is a leader in our field. Um, yes. And, and so, you know, so I was talking a little bit about in the beginning about this concept of, you know, um, connection, disconnection, and repair. And so I, the four horsemen that John Gottman talks about are ways in which obviously couples disconnect from each other. Yes. Um, what, I mean, and one of the things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm always, I shouldn't say I'm always surprised. I'm actually never surprised anymore. I've been doing this work for far too long. But it, I'm always amazed by how couples who claim to love each other actually speak to each other. And, one, yeah. you know, it's like they're, they're nicer to the grocery clerk than they are to each other. Yeah. Can you define a little bit more what those what the four horsemen are? Yeah, if you put them together, it's what people do when they fight. Okay. That's pretty much what he was trying to do. He was trying to get some systematic measurement of what it's like to be in a fight. And he came up with these four concepts. I mean, maybe you could come up with a fifth, sixth, and seventh also. Mm-hmm. And um, then he had people, um, some raiders rate um, the, the couples on, uh, on these four. And, and you're right. That's the problem. That's the fight. And um, then the question is, well, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And, and what makes contempt the most dangerous of them? Well, I don't know um, if there's any um, data on that. But when you think of it, contempt does seem to be one level beyond the other three. Okay. You know, there, there it is. I mean, and it's almost like if you really have contempt towards your partner, that's very hard to w- work back from. Right. And one of the things that I frequently tell people, and they, they all think I'm crazy, is that, you know, Disagreeing with our partner is going to happen all the time because no two people are going, to dis- I mean, are going to agree on everything. But I believe that fighting is a choice. And people look at me and go, what do you mean? It's like, well, you're talking about, we're talking about contempt, and that's an escalation. That's something, like you said, that is really hard to walk back from. And I, the way I define contempt is, is you know, like a character assassination. You're telling somebody that they're lazy or they're stupid or, you know, these things that, that you really can't, you, you know, part of the reason why I, I'm not a big fan of fighting is because you can't unhear whatever it is your partner says. Yeah, what you're saying is right. It's, <laughs> you're pointing out where criticism, which is, is saying you're lazy in those things, uh, shifts into contempt. You mm-hmm. say it with more of a sneer and uh, rolling of eyes and uh, something that um, you know, takes it to the next level. Uh-huh. Now, it's true, it's true that um, that is the problem. And so the first line of dealing with this that uh, Gottman and, and Levinson found out is um, there is a way to repair. Okay. So there's, um, 
couples that are fighting, and all of a sudden one tells a joke and they get out of it. Okay. You know, it's, it's repairing in the moment. And, um, and so, so he says um, you can deal with these four if you have good repair um, efforts that succeed. He says contempt is a little bit harder, but sometimes that can be brought around also. Okay. So can you define a little bit more clearly this concept of repair, what it is and why couples should be talking about it? Well, it's something, it's something that just changes the mood. Like if you're in an adversarial mood, um, you just, all you can do is attack or defend. You just, okay. You're seeing, you're seeing the other part of your partner as your enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the idea would be to get in another mood when your partner admits something and you feel immediately like it acknowledging something back. And there's a warmth that develops. Uh-huh. And so that's, so anybody then who can figure a way of changing from the adversarial to this better kind of interaction and tone and mood between them, um, that's, that's repair. And repair can be something like an example he gives in one of his books, John gives in one of his books, is um, just, a, just a, um, a dumb shrug. Like, you know, he's no longer fighting and he's kind mm-hmm. of half admitting something non-verbally and the other okay. person accepts that. Or it, could be, or it could be a joke or it could be, um, you know, we're fighting each other, but I, I suddenly realized, well, you're the person I love. Mm-hmm. Or, now, that's an extreme, and people are unlikely to do that when they're really angry at the other person. But those are all examples of repair that occurs right there in the moment when the fight is happening. So just a personal example from my own life, because like I said, my, my husband and I don't fight very often. Most, in the early days, it was mostly him because I, I was a fighter. I had to learn to, to stop doing this. Um, but I, I, And it happens over the silliest things. We were having an argument, I don't, or there's been a misunderstanding, and I had to take a popcorn machine back to where I had rented it from and I thought he was going in I was struggling to get it in the car and anyway everything just went way off kilter and and you know he was telling me to take it out of the car and I was no and he would take it out of the car and I was no and my kids were standing there in the garage with their eyes the size of saucers and you know I mean and I'm, I'm saying it it's funny now but we were not speaking to each other in a very nice tone and then suddenly he took this Nerf football and he threw it towards me, not at me, but he threw it towards me, and that kind of broke the tension. Yeah, and we were able example. to laugh, and we were able to see how silly the whole, the whole thing was, and we all went about our day. That, that's a great so, example. That does it. Changes the mood, changes the tone. Now, it turns you back into, uh, from the enemy to an ally. Yeah. And so what, so here's the thing about, you know, in, in I can look at that, and, and like I said, in, in my particular case, my husband and I don't have those moments very often, which is a good thing. So we actually have a really um, full love bank, so to speak. And so when we have those little misunderstandings or miscommunications, it's like our, our bank account takes a hit, but not a big one. 
So yeah. how do how do if couples have a history of fighting more frequently or more um, harshly, I guess I don't know if that's the right way to look at it. Um, how how can they be more receptive to uh, repair efforts? Yeah, well, that's harder. You know, the, the, the um, more intense, the more misunderstood, the more misunderstood you're feeling for a long time without it being resolved, the more contempt you develop, the longer this has gone on, the harder it is to work back from it. Um, but there's, you know, there's, you, know, you always want to give it a try, and, and people can, can come back from very extreme things sometimes. But you're right, it's harder. Okay. Um, so, I mean, and obviously sometimes this is hard to do in the moment because when, when emotions are high and people's feelings are hurt, it's, it, it can be easy to miss, um, you know, I, using humor is one of those examples where it can actually cause more problems because then one person goes, well, you're not taking this seriously and, you know, I'm really upset about this and you're just making jokes. Yeah. <laughs> So, the, how, how well, couples? Go ahead. You're hitting on the concept that's parallel to repair, and it is, uh, say, repair after you've fought and then there's a silent treatment, and then you get back together again. And how do you have the conversation that repairs in that way? Uh, uh, Gottman talks about recovering from a fight or regrettable incident. Great phrases okay. for talking about it. I talk mm-hmm. about recovery. I talk about recovery conversations, and which means that later, when you calm down, um, you you're no longer just thinking of angry things towards your partner, but you sort of begin to think of, you know, maybe my partner makes at least a little bit of sense. And then, if you go to your partner with that latter in mind and talk about that, in other words, you go to your partner with good news where you uh-huh. make an acknowledgement or you begin to listen. Um, the other, your partner, um, and I was bitter partners over a long period of time, this may not work, but your partner can be moved by that. You know, suddenly mm-hmm. have someone reaching out in a positive way um, and would love it and respond to it. Now, you know, the partner may not be ready, um, and so it's, I mean, there's all kinds of variations on it, but the, but, but the main point is, yeah, this is the second um, type of repair. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and the one I kind of count on, I, I put more stock in this, because when you're angry, you really get into something. And it's mm-hmm. uh, self-reinforcing, and it uh, can t- take people days or, 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 or minutes or, or seconds, minutes, hours, or days or weeks to get over it. And... Um, before you're you're able to have such a recovery conversation, and that's a that's a really important thing. And I want to remind everybody that this is happily ever after is just the beginning on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with clinical psychologist and assistant clinical professor Dr. Daniel Weil about how to reconnect with your partner after a misunderstanding or other form of hurt. And you know, the truth is, all couples experience disagreements and times of disconnection. What sets the successful marriages apart is how these moments are handled. If there's a lot of negativity or resentment in your marriage, you're spending a lot of time in the disconnection space. 
effective repair is probably not happening. But yep. it actually can. And you could learn how to reconnect with your partner faster and more effortlessly, and I would like to help. So you can take a moment and send me an email or give me a call and schedule your Happily Ever After transformation session. You can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to talking with Dr. Weil about um, John Gottman, his ideas, and this concept of repair. And so we were just talking before the little break about this concept about emotional bids. And, you know, this seems... It seems like it would be straightforward, but I get the feeling that sometimes it can also be misunderstood. So, um, because you were just talking before the break about sometimes it's taking as long as days. And so how, how is that kind of waiting different from the, the one horseman called stonewalling? or withdrawing. How is what different from them? The, 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 the waiting to make an emotional bid for several days after an argument. Well, the two you mentioned are two of the four horsemen, mm-hmm. and the um, waiting to, um, for a time when you can reach out to your partner is the solution. So it's, you know, one's the problem, the two, first two are the problem, or half the problem, and the second is, is um, part of the, the attempted solution. Okay. So, but I guess, so I guess here's the question. Uh, my partner and I have had a fight or a disagreement, and I reach out to my partner, you know, I, I calm myself down. I reach out to my partner, um, is it the way in which I reach out to my partner that's different? You know, it's like, because it could be, maybe it takes me a while to, to calm down. And okay. I reach out to my partner. And so how, how is that inter, intermediate time not seen as withdrawal? Reaching out to your partner seen as withdrawal, are you saying? No, no. The, the time difference, that, it, that it's like, because, okay, oh, yeah. let, me, let me give right. you. There would have been There would have been a period of disengagement. Okay. Um, taking a time out. All which, right. very, which John Gottman emphasizes is very, right, very important, <laughs> important to do. In other words, if you're not in a place where a simple repair at the moment will do it, okay. and it just keeps going, well, then you need to, need to stop so that you get a chance to calm down. Okay. And then you would have the recovery conversation if you, if you can do that. And it, it, may, it may be hard. It, it's hard to do. Right. So... So is the recovery conversation the emotional bid or is the emotional bid something Oh, you're talking else? about emotional bid. All right, yeah. well, um, emotional bids, yeah, I, I see what you're, where you're getting at. Uh, yeah, you, consider, I can, you can sort of consider making an, a, an emotional bid um, as a way of trying to have a recovery conversation. You know, you're, you're feeling better and you sort of reach out some. But um, mm-hmm. the, the way that I mostly think of emotional bids is um, uh, 
just how it sets the tone of things in a relationship moment to moment in ways that people don't even realize. In other words, at any given moment, uh, you know, a person could reach out to the other one just as they're having a conversation or you know, they've been silent all day and they, hey, look at that boat is the example that I, that I mentioned that John Gottman uses. Right? Something as simple as that. Um, it could be, uh, you know, you changed my life when you walked into it. Or, um, and uh, I love, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a more clear, direct, powerful one. But there's just in the fine grain of the moment, it would be, uh, what would you like for dinner? What do you mean? Those kind of things. And then what's important, uh, John points out, is whether in response to a reaching out like that of one partner, the other partner attacks, avoids, or confides. Oh, that's, that's my language. He says, turns toward, away, or against. Okay. And, um, um, all right, so if he moves towards, the other person responds in a positive way. If, um, um, which, you know, is good things happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. and you exchange positive things gestures, hey, yeah, let's go for that walk. Um, okay. Um, you can uh, avoid by just starting hardly saying anything and just continue reading your paper or just um, give a kind of one-sentence reply, a one-syllable reply. Um, or you can even criticize the person for doing it. You always have to do hmm. things every minute. You can't just sit down you know, kind of right. thing. And so, um, and this happens in the fine grain of the moment. Um, all the time. And after a while, if a, a partner makes these emotional bids and gets a lot of turning away and against, okay. they stop making the bids after a while. Sure. Yeah, because you Yeah, get a kind of alienation in the, in the interaction. And so, so that's there. That's what, that's what I mostly like the idea of emotional bids for, which is pointing out this... Um, Ongoing undercurrent that's going on all the time that has a a powerful effect on the tone of the relationship. Yeah, I mean, one of the the things that I struggled with when I was first working with couples and and doing this concept, you know, this idea of, you know, it it was how do we go from in the initial stages of the relationship it's we're always trying to figure out how to do things to make our partner feel good. We're always constantly thinking about our partner, and then it, somehow along the line it shifts to what have you done for me lately? And, <laughs> that's, that's, that's wonderful. And you know, so this concept of emotional bids, that, that to me is what couples are doing early on in their relationships. They're, they're taking the time to notice each other. They're taking the time to maybe, you know, Touch somebody on the shoulder as they're as they're walking behind them, you know, on the couch, or or you know, telling them, "Hey, I love you," or "You're wonderful," or "Thank you." I mean, to me, to me, bids, emotional bids are please and thank you, <laughs> yeah. just just simple ways. And somehow, couples stop doing those those things that brought them together. And so it sounds like increasing the, the amount of emotional bids, one, it sort of keeps my partner top of mind. You yeah. know, it's, it's, I'm not taking my partner for granted. I'm actually, I guess maybe 
marriages can can benefit from the gratitude movement as well to, to say to my partner a couple of times a day, you know, nice things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anytime you remember to do those things, or better yet, you you have a particular impulse to do them because of what's mm-hmm. you know interaction at the moment. Um, you can you know start turning things around in a positive way at any moment. And so these two concepts are really important, as are, as are the four horsemen, um, because I think people need to understand that it isn't a singular event, although certain singular events can be pretty bad and pretty hard to overcome. It isn't so much the singular events, but the day-to-day things, either by the emotional bids that we give or the willingness to... Um, recognize a repair attempt or just, you know. Gottman talks about what he calls the magic ratio because uh his his research (laughs) revealed that um, uh, partners who who fight a lot and partners who just withdraw, both of them can have good relationships. And what's crucial um, he concluded from the data that he had is what's important is the ratio of positive in, uh, interactions to negative ones. Uh-huh. And um, in a, a difficult relationship, it's like one-to-one. I made that up. But in a real uh-huh. good relationship, <clears throat> it's five positive for every one negative. So he, has, he comes at this issue of what happens in the fine grain of the moment um, in terms of that, too, in terms of the magic ratio also. Right, and that's an important ratio, and I use it a lot because I tell people that's the power of a negative interaction. And, you know, it's not that the negative interactions are not going to happen. Even even in the best possible relationships, there are miscommunications, there are misunderstandings, there are hurt feelings. (laughs) And, you know, it's not, it, you know, it's not uh, calm sailing throughout the years. Every, every relationship is going to hit bumpy parts. But yeah, well, you had, a, you had a very good example about five minutes ago where you said um, um, you're, 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 you're pleased to do things for your partner. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize you're not getting much back. Mm-hmm. And resentment can build up. And oh, yeah. A, a friend of mine called this nice guy backlash. <laughs> and, uh, okay. So, so that's, um, you know, that's such a human pattern, such an understandable pattern. Um, it's, it's just good to be able, if, if that happens, to stand back and see, see it so you can recover mm-hmm. from it. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's part of understanding Standing. I mean, and you know, I, I talk about you know, relationships have rules or laws, just like the laws of physics. I mean, there are things that we know that make them work, and things that we know that harm them. And yeah. unfortunately, unlike taking a physics class in high school or college, nobody has to take relationship 101. Although, frankly, I think they should, huh. um, because it's, it's actually a much more important thing to know than physics. Apologies to my son, who's a physics major, who majored in physics. Um, but this idea that we can change this, and by changing our own 
interact, you know, by changing our, the way that we approach our partner, we can actually change um, the relationship. So how can couples get better at recognizing these repair efforts and um, positively respond to each other? Is there, I mean, because I, I know that Gottman's research was, was amazing, and the idea that he could say I could predict within, I don't remember if it was five minutes or 15 minutes or however long he watched these couples interact together, that he could predict with a pretty, with a pr- a pretty incredible accuracy who was going to be in real trouble and who wasn't. And I'm, a psychotic, I'm psychotically optimistic. I always figure huh. if people can learn how to do things, then, you know, they, they have a chance. But what should couples be paying attention to? What should they actually be doing? Well, let's see. There was a, a research piece done by uh, Finkel, Finkel um, that has uh, wide-ranging implications where he asked uh, couples to he called them monthly. I'm making up some of the procedure. I don't remember exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, tell him about a fight. Oh, to, to every month to write down a fight they had, uh-huh. and then describe in another paragraph how a, 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 um, a compassionate person, a neutral person, who has the welfare of both in mind, would have described the event. Interesting. And uh, he found that helps. In other words. Um, how it helped was it got people stepping back and remembering, well, you know, this is a person I ultimately I care for. Mm-hmm. And let me look and see what happened between the two of us from a way it doesn't blame either one. Um, yeah. And um, so, so that's, that's a major, major point in that, which is um, just to have, be able to have such moments. Um, particularly when you haven't had them for a while. Right. And um, there may be a certain amount of control you have about it. Because, you, know, you, could, you know, once you know about this study or something like it, you could implement your own version of how to do that, um, how to recall that. Uh, but it really, it's really striking how just having that added time to write a paragraph about that compared to a control group that didn't have that added part made a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this is you know this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation, and you are so knowledgeable. And I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Can you tell people where they can read more about this and learn more about this, so that they're you know, so they don't feel like they're like. <laughs> At, at at wit's ends, or at, you know, don't know how to don't know how to get back on track. Yeah, well, the the Gottman book is certainly a great place to start, particularly the seven principles uh, that make marriages work. I may have it wrong, um, but I think uh-huh. seven is the number of principles. I, yeah, it, it's it's seven. It's seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a lovely, lovely book. Now, I've written some books myself. Uh, which you can you know get online, and um, I have a, a website that um, where you can get a hold of some things I've written. Uh, it's a website um, that has in mind uh, information for therapists 
but it's um, read a, read, you can read it you know if you're not professional also and it's right. um, it's uh, www.danwild.com and that's W-I-L-E. <laughs> he is an elephant, right? Yeah. Okay. And well, thank you so much. And what I want people to know is, to, you know, one of the things that you can do is to think about this this pattern we've been talking about today of connection, disconnection, and repair in your relationship. And a big question to ask is, does it leave you feeling positively about your partner in marriage? And if not, you actually have the power to change that pattern so that it does feel positive and loving and wonderful. And there are resources that can help you to do that so that you can have the marriage that you imagined on your wedding day. And one of those resources is this show, so I encourage you to keep listening. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.